All right, welcome back to the show today, ladies and gentlemen, where we're really going to get into it today. It doesn't matter which country you live in in the world. I think you're going to find today's video somewhat interesting and conspiratorial, shall we say, as well. So I'm going to outline a few things. I want your thoughts on my ideas here. Am I just being too skeptical about all of this? Am I reading too much into this? Even though what I said two months ago now that Rishi Sunak would become the prime minister, and here's the reasons why, seems as though that has now happened. And I'm going to outline exactly why I think he has become prime minister and what the, the real job is that he has been put in place to do. So yeah, let's start with all the boring basic stuff because people will want to know this. Who is he? 42 years old, grew up in Hampshire, father was a GP, mother ran a pharmacy. He didn't really have any money getting started, but today he's worth over 700 million pounds, somewhere in a region of 800 million dollars at 42 years old. Now, you've got to ask the question, how on earth can a simple politician earn that sort of capital? Well, after leaving university, he went to work at the big banks. Yes, uh, no surprise here. And now you'll start to see the connection with a lot of this. But the main way he built the capital was via his wife, uh, who is a, a shareholder of Infosys. Now, quite ironically, is that this is one of the reasons I think he didn't get the PM slot initially. And that's because it all came out, it transpired about his wife's tax dealings, which we're not allowed to even talk about. It's part of the terms and conditions now, apparently. Same with certain things about Rishi. I think this is probably going to be one of the last times I'm able to talk about something like this as these new laws change uh, against speaking out about leaders in this way. So this will probably be the last time. So uh, definitely get as much out of this video as you possibly can. Now, I want to point out one really big important thing, which the media tries to skim over. Number one was that originally he said during the you know 2020-21 lockdown period, we'll call it that, that we were going to spend as a country 30 billion pounds on all of the measures. Well, actually, that isn't how much we actually spent. According to the OBR, which is the Office of Budgetary Responsibility, what was actually spent was closer to 400 billion pounds. And you ask, Neil, where did all of that money go then? He said 30 billion, but actually it was 400 billion. That's a big difference. Where did all that money go? And of course, don't even mention the writing off of that four point something billion pound loan, which we don't know where that went. There was also another large uh, amount that was for a government contractor. Who was it? We don't know. It was written off. So there's a lot of suspicious things that we'll probably never get to the bottom of. In the same way I talked about how the tax cuts when Liz Trust came in, most of those were reversed. But what wasn't reversed, again, this is a, another connection with the banking sector, the bankers' bonuses. The caps was part of this plan. And when everything was supposed to be reversed, everything was except the bankers' bonuses caps. Now, you think about bail-in law and all the failures that we expect to happen as everything starts to crumble down. And you sort of start seeing all of these connections here. 
But I want to get into the, the, the meat of this now then, and I want to show you the thing that I think is very suspicious, shall we use that word, considering that Rishi was the first one to announce a CBDC, a central bank digital currency in 2021. So let's get into all of this because you're going to find this quite fascinating. Firstly then, Sunak will not only be the youngest leader for 200 years, He's the country's first non-white prime minister. Again, they keep putting all this emphasis on his ethnicity. Uh, I'm not exactly sure why when the prime minister role is all about competence, not skin color. But alas, we'll uh, run with this. And thanks largely to his wife, Murti, Sunak be one of the richest people to reach the top of the political establishment. Murti has a 0.93% stake in her father's Indian software company, Infosys, worth approximately $715 million. Now we're going to get into this and why it's so unique in a second. That represents the bulk of the couple's estimated net worth of £730 million, so $830 million. So again, there's an additional $115 million there above or over and above just the shares in the company. Now that's a whole nother story that we won't get into today. But look at this, even Queen Elizabeth wasn't as rich as Sunak before she died. In April, it was reported that Murti enjoyed a tax status in the UK that meant she could legally avoid paying taxes on her foreign earnings. And the irony of this is, this was at the same time as Sunak pushed the overall tax burden on UK taxpayers to its highest level since the 1940s. Talk about hypocrisy. Another point that isn't talked about very often is this. Murti is listed on Companies House, which is where you can look up um, you know, people who own companies in the UK, as the director of this fitness company, which is a high-end gym chain that went into administration after struggling through the pandemic. What you may not know is that they also received huge amounts of grants, which went under with the company. But here we go, here we go then. Sunak as UK PM reinforces Goldman, so this is Goldman Sachs, hold on G7 top jobs. So this is Bloomberg. Let me just add that. This is not just some, you know, conspiratorial uh, publication here. This is Bloomberg. Government Sachs. Since the end of 2005, there have been only days in which a Goldman Sachs alumnus didn't hold the position of prime minister, finance minister or central bank chief in a G7 country. What do you think about that then? New UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak pushes heavily to introduce a CBDC. He's issued support and a new focus on the cryptocurrency sector on Monday as shared by Bitcoin magazine. Well, actually, this is not correct. He explained that the CBDC could be a digital version of money, a bit like a digital banknote that could be used alongside physical notes and coins. Okay, so let's get one thing really clear here, which a lot of these publications are getting completely wrong. A cryptocurrency is a decentralized monetary framework. A CBDC is a centralized government currency. They couldn't be further apart. They're completely different things. One is decentralized and therefore cannot be controlled. The other, well, it can, but that's another story for another day. This though, a central bank digital currency, is complete digital slavery of the populace. And no, I'm not being alarmist when I 
say that. It really is because once the social and the carbon credit score get launched and connect to the CBDC and there's no longer cash because they want to become a cashless society, etc., people are going to be pretty much screwed. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Because if you say the wrong thing or you do the wrong thing or you spend, you know, use too much carbon, you're not following certain things, social stuff. We've already seen the social, the trials of the social in the last two years where, um, and this is where 1984 George Orwell's book comes in. The fact checkers, this is the thought police where we know, and it doesn't matter which side of the spectrum you sit on here, I think we can all agree these fact checkers are not really fact checkers. They are simply enforcing whatever a certain agenda is of that time. And again, I'm not talking about anything specific here. There were so many and there still are so many different things. And if you say the wrong thing or think in the wrong way, then you are monitored and potentially penalized in the future. So we know what's happening at the moment. All of this is a trial run. Now think about it like this. What happens in the future if you say the wrong thing, you're watching the wrong videos, you're clicking like on the videos, you're leaving comments, things like that. Please do that, by the way. I encourage you to, to do that. But what if you're doing all of this and this is not what they want? What if the government becomes even more authoritarian and the, the AI software and everything else? And remember this company, Infosys, helps with all of this kind of stuff. So what if you fall on the wrong side of these things? How is that going to affect you in the future? Final point then, he added that governments and central banks across the world are working together, looking into what having a digital currency might mean in practice, which includes issues that people care about, such as energy efficiency. There we go. There's your carbon aspect. And this is where it all started. In 2021, Sunak also proposed a central bank digital currency or what he called Britcoin to be part of the UK economy. Take note of this, please. By the end of 2025, that means you have less than three years right now or approximately three years to get your affairs in order. And this is the video that he posted, if you want to have a look at this, where he outlined exactly what's going to happen. Today, I'm proud to say that under the UK's presidency, the group of the world's seven most advanced economies, the G7, is launching a set of public policy principles for retail central bank digital currencies. It would be issued directly by a central bank, like the Bank of England in the UK. And governments and central banks across the world are working together. These decisions raise important questions about the reshaping of our economy. We're excited to be taking a leading role with G7 members in publishing this exploratory work bringing money and finance into the 21st century. So let's jump over to this company then, Infosys. So here's the insights. Digital identity, the catalyst for inclusive financial services. Uh, I just highlighted this point in red. Deployment of unique digital IDs, frictionless cross-border digital payments, digital banking on the go, and the right regulation will be key. And here we go. Who's the founder of Infosys? Well, it just happens to be Sunak's wife's father. So this is Sunak's father-in-law. And if we dive into Infosys accounts and shareholders and all this other stuff, I don't want to go too deep into this on this video, but we start to see some interesting things here. Uh, I would highly recommend starting going through some of these accounts and having a look at some of these shareholders are. And we've already heard from Klaus 
about Rishi. And we already knew, because I talked about it before, that he would be put into position as a young global leader. It was just inevitable. But here's one other thing you may not know, is that if you look at the partnership here, here is Infosys. Are you starting to see how this all fits together then? So let's look at a couple of final points then. I really think that Rishi was always going to be prime minister, as I outlined before. I think Liz Truss came in as a fall guy, if we can use that uh, term. I think she really just came in to uh, launch all of this new currency. What was it? 250 billion pledged onto energy bills and all these other things. There was also talk of pledging the British army to the EU army which we don't quite know if that happens. There's talks that it did, but we don't really know. There was all these other things that came in that really weren't popular in the public domain. There was a lot of this stuff. It got passed and then she exited. I honestly think that is what the whole point of it was. And she probably wasn't ever intending to stay long-term anyway. I could be wrong in that. That is just a thought that I had. But overall, the thing that everyone seems to be forgetting is Everyone's cheering now for Rishi as the new prime minister, but he's come in as the guy to fix all of these economic problems. But here's what people aren't thinking about. Who caused the economic problems in the first place? Who created all of this inflation? It was, it was him. He was the one that was the chancellor. He created all of this new currency, which has now created huge amounts of debt that needs to be serviced, which is also going to be added to your taxes if you are a UK citizen. So everyone's cheering him coming in and sorting out this big problem. He created the problem in the first place. This is the irony of the whole thing. So it talks about all of his challenges here, uh, balancing the buck. A 40 billion pound black hole can only be plugged by spending cuts or tax rises and a mixture of both is expected. What a surprise. Uh, number three is austerity austerity measures. People do not like this stuff. But even the World Bank, uh, you wouldn't expect this, but even the World Bank is coming out and saying this stuff is too expensive. You just cannot pay these energy bills and the debt will take decades to pay off. Well, who's going to pay this off? It's probably not going to be you or I if it's going to take decades to pay off because most of us watching will be retired by that point anyway. It is going to be our children, your children, who are going to be paying off these huge amounts of debt levels combined with being locked into this system of a central bank digital currency. So overall, my friends, I do not think this is uh, going to end well for the UK. Uh, but please drop a comment below. Am I just being too skeptical in this video? Am I connecting too many dots that you know don't really exist? Have I gone too far down the rabbit hole, uh, shall we say here? Drop your comments below. I love to read them. Apart from that, I will see you tomorrow with a somewhat unique video. So I hope you like it as part of our preparation series. Okay, take care. God bless. I will see you tomorrow.